If you're wondering why you should listen to me, I'm your everyday 24-year-old guy going through everyday struggles. And maybe, just maybe, you'll feel better knowing you're not alone. My name is Brandon Dennis, a nursing student living in New York. Interested in learning all that I can, I make friends with all kinds of people. Everything from music to business and fitness, I'm open to hear everything and anything. Welcome to the Unwritten Podcast. All right, all right. Welcome to the Unwritten Podcast. My name is Brandon Dennis, and I'm your host. And here we are for the next installment for the Unwritten Podcast. This is episode 12. Just want to, once again, always thank you guys for tuning in week to week. Uh, I know there's been a little bit of inconsistency, and so I do appreciate you guys just hanging in with me and just, you know, rolling with the punches here because this is not coming out on Monday. This is coming out on Tuesday morning at 11 um, do, do apologize for that. Things are coming up here and there, especially with school popping up. You know, there are more things to do now, um, that I have to kind of work around. And so I'm trying to get, uh, used to sort of balancing this with something else, as opposed to this being the main thing that I'm doing, but I will still continue to bring you guys weekly episodes. Uh, we're still communicating via Twitter, uh, at unwritten pod, and we're still doing all those great things, the polls, the questions, all those stuff, uh, all those things. Um, so now that I've kind of gotten that out the way, um, once again, thank you guys. Thank you for, you know, dealing with everything that's been going on with the podcast. Uh, this episode in particular is one that is uh, it's kind of leaning heavy. It's weighing heavy on my heart. And it's something I just wanted to sort of get off of my chest because it appears that we we are still not learning from our past. We're still not learning from our mistakes. Because I'm here to once again let you know that black lives still matter. It never changed. Your news network may say differently, your social media feed may say differently, but black lives still matter. On August 23rd, I sat in my bedroom and uh, as per usual, was just on my phone Scrolling through Twitter, scrolling through social media, just scrolling, looking at videos, liking pictures, retweeting, things like that. And eventually, I stumbled upon a a video with a caption that said, This just happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. A little broken heart emoji. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. And so uh, I go on to watch this video. And it is a video of a black man that is walking around a an SUV vehicle. There's three cops in the area, and there's another woman off to the side. Could possibly be a sister or cousin, something like that. And as he's moving around the vehicle, one of the cops has his hand on his shoulder. And the man then proceeds to walk to his car door. And upon opening his car door... He was shot in his back. The cop decided to pull the trigger in his back, not just once, not twice, not three times, but seven times in his back at point-blank range. Seven total shots that followed in succession. I didn't believe that what I had seen in the video, and so I had played it back and played it back and played it back, just hoping that somehow, some way, that the next time when I pushed that play button, I would see a different ending, but that never happened. And my initial thought was, no, 
This is murder. So, uh, let me tell you something. I don't know how these cops are trained. I don't know what they go through, uh, you know, for, for you know, de-escalation of situations, for marksmanship and stuff like that. But I know specifically when I had went through basic training for the Army that when I was learning, you know, basic marksmanship, and this was my first interaction and first, you know, handlings with any sort of weapon in my hand, that they taught us trigger discipline. They told us, quote, do not put your finger on the trigger unless you intend to destroy what's in front of you. So, with that said, we knew what this was after that first shot. It was cemented after the second. And it's absolutely undeniable what was happening after seven. Rustin Chesky is the name of the officer, and more importantly, the victim, his name is Jacob Blake, and fortunately, he did survive this attack. Officer Chesky, you shot Jacob Blake in the back seven times at point-blank range. Why? Were you scared? Were you threatened? He should have complied. He was reaching for a gun. He's not an angel. He has a criminal record. I am sick and tired of all these freaking excuses. Compliance does not lead to life at the end of every altercation that you have with a cop. And let me say this one more time. Compliance does not lead to life at the end of every altercation with a cop. Because you must have forgotten about Philando Castile. You must have forgotten about him and how he complied and was still shot in his car. There was no gun in the car. There was no branding sh- brand, uh, branding sh- brandishing of a knife. Yes, was there a knife in the car? Sure. There's three of you and there's one of him. You could have de-escalated the situation prior to this prior to it getting to this point but you let it get to this point and you decided to go with the most lethal option of all in that situation there was no gun and the knife wasn't a problem up until then and your previous criminal record should not be a death sentence for you it's not justification to be shot oh he's a criminal so he has to be shot that's not a thing You can't just go and shoot somebody based upon their criminal record. But Jacob Blake, by some miracle, had survived this. But even when on his way to the hospital in critical condition, it was deemed necessary to handcuff Jacob Blake to his hospital bed with seven shots in his back. According to Kenosha County Sheriff De- uh, Department spokesman Sergeant David Wright, he was handcuffed because he has felony warrants for his arrest from crimes he completed prior to the shooting incident. Once again, 
Your past does not equal your present. You cannot say, because you did this a couple years ago, I can treat you like this now. You need to have, if you're in any sort of law enforcement, you're in the military, you should know about situational awareness. And you need to understand that when you go and engage with people like this, you need to go in there with a fresh set of eyes and you need to always be alert as to what's going to happen. And you can't, you, you have, you, you cannot act upon other things besides what's happening right there in that moment. Can you anticipate? Yes. But you don't act until things happen. In hospitals, typical medical staff, typical healthcare staff, when we decide, this is when we decide it's appropriate to restrain a patient. It is a last resort option when the patient becomes a danger to themselves and others. It's not a lazy protocol based upon past behavior. Because let's remember, he got shot in the back seven times. He is paralyzed from the waist down. Where is he going? Who is he a threat to? He wasn't unshackled until, I believe, it was the 28th. And I need everyone to understand the context of everything. This shooting happened not in front, not just in front of whoever that woman was, whether that be his cousin or sister or whoever, but it happened in front of his kids. Three years old, eight years old, and they're asking after the fact, their grandfather, where's dad? Why did they shoot dad? It's just inexcusable. And this whole event sparks off these protests that happen in Kenosha. And as social media and news outlets breathe and, and live this whole moment, everyone begins to know one name besides Jacob Blake. And that one name is Kyle Rittenhouse. 17-year-old boy from, I'm going to mess this up, but from Antioch, or Antoich, Illinois. Now, there are a couple things wrong with Kyle Rittenhouse coming to these protests. First and foremost, I just told you, he's from Illinois. These protests are in a totally different state. They are in Wisconsin. And now everyone starts to bring up the whole idea of open carry. So I looked up the open carry laws in Wisconsin I also looked him up in Illinois, not to say if that he was allowed to open carry in Illinois, that he would that it would be somewhat okay for him to go to another state where it was illegal to open carry. But upon examination of both states laws on open carry in Illinois, it's typically illegal. There's only certain areas where you can do it. And in a vehicle, you can't open carry. So him whether he drove or his mother drove or whoever drove him, having the, the weapon in the vehicle without being, uh, say, military or law enforcement, illegal. Going into Wisconsin, you can open carry, but you have to be at least 18 years old. He's 17 years old. Illegal. 
And he went there with this mission to protect land and property and businesses. And so this is what he does. He goes there and he has his AR-15 or whatever this rifle may be. And according to multiple news outlets, he ends up killing two protesters and he injures one. According to ABC, uh, he was followed by somebody into a parking lot. Uh, This person had thrown a garbage bag at him in order to try and disarm him. And that is when this person was shot in his groin, his back, and his hand. Uh, Upon this interaction, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse starts to run down the block as everyone is screaming, he shot somebody, he shot somebody. This is when the second person comes after him with his skateboard. This person ends up getting shot in the chest, and then the third person comes around to try and save the day, and then he gets shot in his arm, and then he runs away swiftly. My question to this whole incident is when are we going to start putting human lives above cement and glass? When are we going to start valuing the lives of people over property? And no, I don't condone violence, but when it comes down to the burning of buildings and businesses, I understand that this is how people live. This is what people have worked so hard for in order to build a certain thing that is providing for themselves and their families. I totally understand that. But instead of ostracizing these people, maybe you should just listen to them for a second. Maybe if you listen to their pain, you'd understand why they're doing it in the freaking first place. Because the pain has been dull for over 300 years, and it's only getting sharper. Why don't they protest peacefully? That has happened every single day since the death of George Floyd. Your news outlets and your social media don't reflect that because that's not going to put out a message that they want to put out. They rather focus on the violence. They rather focus on the riots. They rather focus on the looters because that grabs people's attention more than peaceful protests. MLK protested peacefully and you guys still killed him. So let me know what we should do. Let me know what we should do. Because when we do it peacefully, it's wrong. When we do it violently, it's wrong. So let us know. Let us know what's the right course of action. Kyle Rittenhouse is one of many that's been emboldened by President Trump's rhetoric. And it has made him feel the need to be a vigilante. A vigilante? Oh, let me let me remind you about vigilantes. Cause I guess you might have also forgot about Ahmad Aubrey, a man who went on a jog and never came back from that, because someone else found it appropriate to take justice into his own hands to go and gun down this man. 
if cops are so good at what they do and you love cops so much and you back the blue and you want them to be these great people and you think they're so great, why do you why why do we need vigilantes and why do we need militias to help and assist uh, police officers? Why do we have militias and vigilantes helping police officers if the cops are so great and can do their job so well? Or maybe these vigilantes and these militias are not there in, in order to assist the cops, but they're there for a different agenda, a different purpose that's rooted in hatred and racism. And I believe you know the answer to that. And so this blows up and this creates this massive domino effect. A charge that's led by the NBA, the Milwaukee Bucks, and the LA Clippers. In which they say collectively as teams that they are not going to participate in their sport games, in their playoff games for that evening. And this sort of does this domino effect that it's not just the NBA, it's the WNBA. It's not just the WNBA, it's the MLB. It's not just MLB, it's MLS. All these sport leagues eventually just say, you know what? We're not going to participate in our sports because there is something that is bigger and better and it is more collectively, it is something that is bigger than all of us combined. There is a bigger issue at hand. Sports can wait. Sports can wait. Racism cannot. Sports can wait. Hatred cannot. But now everyone wants to lash out at athletes. Oh, why are, you, why are they stopping sports? I hate the NFL. I hate the NBA. I'm never going to watch them ever again. They're boycotting sports. First and foremost, it's not a boycott. These athletes don't consume their own product. The athletes are the product. It is a strike. They get paid to do this for your entertainment. So if you don't want to support your athletes, if you enjoy the entertainment that you get from your black athletes, but you cannot support them on their black issues, you need to look yourself in the mirror. You cannot benefit from the entertainment of black athletes and not support black athletes when they ask you for their support. And if you sign something wrong with that, there's something wrong with you. The NBA, the WNBA, the MLS, and the MLB are not doing this for a publicity stunt. They're putting things that are not important on pause because we can always pick up sports. We already stopped before. COVID stopped all sports. We picked up. We can stop again and pick up later. Sports are being placed on hold because you need to understand what's going on in the world. You need to get yourself out of your bubble. When someone's crying out for help and saying we are getting gunned down, you need to open up your ears and listen and say, how can I help you? How can I support you? 
because it's been going on for way too long. And when we say something, we get shot down. It's not that important. It's not real. Racism doesn't exist. The people aren't hateful. hateful. Uh, There are plenty of good cops out there. We don't want to hear that anymore. We're done. We're sick. We're tired. We're watching our community dwindle. After I had watched that that video on August 23rd, um, I had retweeted it saying that the act that happened in that video was murder. And I had a friend that, that reached out to me, and I won't say her name, but uh, she knows who she is. She reached out to me and just sort of said the the openness to commit such an act to see it be done so effortlessly there was at least from the outside you don't see a thought process because once again if they did not want it to get to that point they could have altered the situation in a more favorable situation for the cops it didn't have to get to a point in which you had to unload seven shots into a man's back but this friend just took it upon herself to reach out to me, make sure I was okay, and just just to let me know, like, hey, I'm here for you and I support you and whatever you need, let me know. We need friends that are going to support us. We need family that's going to support us. We need people that are willing to listen that are willing to absorb information to educate themselves. We need people that are just going to be open because this is an issue that has been going on for way too long. We're realizing it in 2020 because we have nothing else to do because we've been stuck in the house and we've been in quarantine. And so everything is more, more, everything is much more crystal clear. But the reality is that this has been going on forever. This has been going on forever. I talked about compliance with Philando Castile. I talked about vigilantes with Ahmaud Arbery. The, the, the list of names is endless. And to tell me if they just complied is ludicrous. I, I, want, I want this message to go out. I want you to understand that we need to really, really think about how we look at police officers. And I'm going to be really realistic right here. I understand that there are good cops. But if I have a hundred good cops and I have one bad cop, and those hundred good cops don't get rid of that one bad cop, I have a hundred and one bad cops. We need a system of accountability. We need reformation. We need policy change. We need reallocation of funds. A change in budget. Because if this continues to go on where we're having protests that, that, that evolve into riots and nothing is changing, we're going to be in this vicious cycle over and over and over again. 
if you listen to the people that are protesting and rioting and just communicate with them and try to figure out what's wrong, what's the core issue, and then actually try to make a solution for it as opposed to condemning all those people that are behind such a great and powerful message and movement, maybe we would get somewhere. If we looked at people like Kyle Rittenhouse and people that are emboldened to do school shootings, church shootings, and really, really dug into the whole, you know, the, the whole core of everything, maybe we would get somewhere. I need you to understand that Jacob Blake is a human being with a heart, with soul. He is a father. And it's a blessing that the kids can still hold on to their father, but they can never look at their father without thinking about police officers because now he's paralyzed from the waist down. They will never look at cops the same way because when they look at, his, at their father, he is paralyzed from the waist down. I think at this point, I'll wrap up this episode of the podcast. Please understand that black lives still matter. They have always matter and they will continue to matter. I need you to talk to your black friends, talk to your family members, and open up this conversation. If you have cops in your family, I need you to talk to them. The conversation needs to get rolling at a much faster pace because the longer it takes for us to figure this thing out, the more people are going to get shot in the streets. And I'll catch you next time on the Unwritten Podcast.